Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Melcor REIT third quarter 2020 results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Darian Rayburn, President and Chief Executive Officer for opening remarks. Please go ahead. Thank you, Anastasia. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us this morning. Typically, I'd be introducing Mr. Tafira, our Chief Financial Officer, to review financial results for the quarter. Sadly, Naomi had a death in her extended family and is not able to attend the call this morning. Our thoughts with Naomi and her family during this most difficult time. Back to the business at hand. If you have not reviewed the materials related to this call, including the management's discussion analysis and the financial statements, they are available on the investor relations section of our website at melcorreit.ca and on cedar.com. My goal today is to keep the remarks to a brief, high-level review of the quarter and then open up the call for any questions. Before getting into the details of the quarter, I have a few introductory and mandatory statements to make. First, certain statements made during the call may be forward-looking. For a complete discussion of items that may cause actual results to differ, please refer to the business environment and risk section of our annual management discussion and analysis and further supplemented in our Q3 MDNA. Second, we report our financial results in Canadian dollars and in accordance with the international financial reporting standards. We supplement our financial reporting with other non-standard measures, including FFO, AFFO, ACFO, and NOI. We believe these measures are important in evaluating our performance, but caution listeners that they may not be comparable to similar measures presented by other companies. These non-standard measures are defined and reconciled in our management discussion analysis. Now, moving on to the third quarter of 2020. Our portfolio performance remained stable through the nine months ending September 30th, 2020, in spite of the COVID-19 pandemic compounding already challenging markets. Rental revenue was up 6% over Q3 2019 and up 6% year-to-date. Net, up, net operating income was down 8% over Q3 2019 due to secret write-offs, bad debt provision throughups. However, year-to-date NOI is showing an increase of 1% at $34.27 million year-to-date when compared with the same period to date in 2019. Adjusted cash flow from operations, ACFO, was down 26% to $3.59 million, or $0.12 cent per unit, over Q3 2019, and down 7% year-to-date. Our occupancy in our buildings increased slightly over Q2 2020 and sits currently at 88.4%. Distributions of $0.03 cents per trust unit were paid in July, August, and September, for an ACFO quarterly payout ratio of 73%. The fundamentals of our business have remained stable in the third quarter and throughout 2020, and we remain confident in our strategy going forward. We completed lease renewals representing just over 209,000 square feet for a healthy retention rate 
of just under 80% at quarter end. New leasing has also been steady across the portfolio in spite of the economic volatility, and we've completed just over 98,000 square feet of new deals, commencing the date, which is 25% higher than we were last year. And we've also completed an additional 69,000 square feet committed for future occupancy. As I mentioned earlier, occupancy is slightly up at 88.4% and has held relatively steady in a challenging market. The revenue growth of 6% in both quarter end and year to date is attributable to our recent portfolio growth. Our acquisition completed in November 2019, which we subsequently renamed Melcourt Crossing in Grand Prairie, increased the size of our portfolio by 10% based on the gross leasable area. The impacts of COVID-19 through Q2 2020 and Q3 are now more fully understood and accounted for. In addition to the property value write-downs of just under $60 million year-to-date, we've provided for $1.31 million in doubtful accounts and have forgiven $670,000 net in rent related to the secret program, which we applied for on behalf of 79 of our tenants. We also deferred $780,000 in rental payments via deferral agreements with our tenants, which provide for this deferred rent to be paid back over a period of one to four months. As of September 30th, 2020, we had $4.29 million in cash and about $12 million in undrawn liquidity available under our revolving credit facility. It is no doubt that COVID case numbers are currently spiking in Alberta. We are hopeful that this current rise can be curtailed by individuals taking responsibility for their own health and safety as well as those around them, rather than resorting to a second round of business closures. As the secret program has now ended, tenants will have individual access to new government programs should they require. I'm very proud that we've worked with our tenants. We've worked diligently to support them through the first phase of COVID. We believe that the strong relationship that we continually build on will have a key factor in minimizing the impact going forward. Although the environment does appear more stable, it is still not possible to actually predict the future and the extent and duration of the impact of COVID-19 on future results. With the onset of the pandemic in March 2020 and its rapid escalation, we solidified our defensive business strategy, focusing on preservation of the REIT, on its financial health, on protecting our assets, protecting our tenants, protecting our income, our cash, debt reduction, and continuing unit distributions. We have successfully maintained all financial covenants, maintained tenancies, attracted new tenants, maximized cash flow preservation, and control costs. Given where we stand today and the current global economic volatility, we are pleased with our current financial position. If things continue as they are with no Further major shocks, we're confident we can maintain the steady positioning. We believe that continued solidarity and partnership with our tenants will provide them the best opportunity to endure this pandemic and be successful in the long term. We continue to monitor our situation daily. We make thoughtful decisions and we take actions to come through this together with our tenants. Anastasia, I would now be happy to take any questions. Can you please open up the phone line? Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. The first question comes from Kyle Stanley with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, Darren. Uh, good morning, Kyle. So just looking at your office portfolio for a second, 
I'm wondering how the uh, the office leasing conversations have been going. You know, have you seen any changes in demand for your space that's that's currently available? So um, it's interesting because when you read the media, one would think that there's all kinds of change in demand. There is definitely a delay, but what we're finding is for a number of groups, uh, the demand continues. So in the Edmonton, because as you recall, we have office in Calgary and Regina and Kelowna, but I'll talk about Edmonton because everyone was talking about Edmonton even before the COVID uh, pandemic came out. But um, we are seeing the continued demand from the smaller service providing tenants. We are doing deals with chiropractors and smaller accounting firms and consulting firms and marketing firms. So that's where we see our activity. Now, one, again, would expect that rates should be falling in a pandemic-laden era, but if you look at the last two reports that came out on the Edmonton office market, we're actually maintaining our vacancy hasn't grown anymore in downtown Edmonton, and office rates are hanging in there. What's changed, Kyle, is what's happened in Edmonton during the last couple of boom and bust cycles is the ask on the tenant inducement side has increased. So from an Edmonton perspective, we're still active in, in our office leasing. Calgary is a bit of a different story, but as everyone on the call, I assume, knows, you know, Edmonton's downtown vacancy is 17%. Calgary's downtown vacancy is 30%, with probably another 20 to 25% of sublease, so it's a much different discussion. And then in our smaller markets, Lethbridge, Kelowna, Regina, we still see activity. And in each of those markets, we're seeing some increased occupancy because of the movement of the smaller tenancies. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you answered a couple of more questions I had there, so that's good. Um, just, just looking at the some of the leasing that was done during the quarter, how long are the uh, 38,000 square feet of short-term deals um, in place for? You know, Kyle, it, it's a mix. It's a mix on a, a lot of them. In some cases, tenants who expired who, who weren't prepared to make five-year commitments, you know, as we tried to preserve cash, we've done six-month short-term deals. We've done one-month short-term deals. So really, it's all over the place. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Just to be um, clear, too, Kyle. Just so you know, like that. That's also not completely unusual, because you know that's been kind of the Alberta policy in the past, where tenants are deciding what their next steps are. Also, just to keep in mind, about seven thousand square feet of that thirty-eight thousand square feet is one particular tenant in Red Deer, which is a furniture store that we've been dealing with for a number of months who was not prepared to make a long-term commitment, so we did a short-term commitment, had to move into space as is. And thank heavens okay. there were cars in the parking lot last week when I drove through because they're selling furniture. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, um, so the REIT may not be ready to allocate capital to external growth uh, again just yet, but just wondering, you know, wanted to get your thoughts on the transaction environment in some of your core markets. You know, is there much product coming to market? Has there been uh, any kind of repricing since the pandemic? Any signs of distressed selling? But just general thoughts, I guess, on that. Sure, you know, Kyle, one would think that there should be all kinds of distressed selling. We went through this in 2008. We went through this in the early 2000s. We went through this in the 90s. What's interesting this time First of all, there aren't a lot of trades in the markets that we're in, and the trades that are happening um, aren't at what we consider bargain, bargain basement prices. And when I talk to other people in the industry who I think should be selling their buildings to us, I guess the difference now is the interest rates being as low as they are, whether there's vacancy or some reduced cash flow, there's not this big desire to sell. And, you know, the people that I've a tour through in Edmonton who are just looking at the market who are coming to town are, are looking to buy, are looking to buy at significantly reduced rates. 
So I think there's still too large of a gap between buyer and seller, regardless of cap rates increasing and regardless of, you know, round two of the pandemic hitting. So we haven't seen the movement yet. I have in the last two weeks starting to see a little more second calls on opportunities. So I would expect, you know, this month, next month, there will be more chances. But the short answer to your question, Kyle, is we're just not seeing the volume of opportunities at what we would consider discount rates right now. Okay, fair enough. And then just last one for me, and there may not be an update here, just curious on the repositioning effort uh, on the RBC space. I'm, I'm not sure if you've kind of gone ahead or kind of put that on hold due to the pandemic. We put it on hold. We're still marketing the space. Uh, you know, still doing leasing there too, but we have not started any official construction at this point. We want to see how we ride through this next couple of months. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Uh, okay, that's it for me. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thanks for the questions, Kyle. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question comes from Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, Matt. Hi, Darren. Could you talk a little bit about the 40 basis point improvement in occupancy? Um, part of that, going through your disclosures, would appear to be from the short-term leasing. But was there anything else, and did we see a full-quarter contribution from those uh, leases in Q3? So I think there were two questions there. The second question was the full-quarter contribution. We'll get back to that one. The 40,000 square feet of temp space. And so beyond that, um, as I said before, uh, Matt, the, the temp space leasing is not an anomaly for us. Like every year, every quarter, we sort of have a, a business going back and forth. You know, when I just look at, at the volume of the deals we've done, and I reported a few minutes ago that we're at 209,000 square feet of renewals. I can tell you today we're at 231,000 square feet of renewals. So the renewals are there. As far as the new deals are considered, what we're finding now, Matt, is the deals we're doing now are not commencing until at least late in 2020, early in 2021. So I, I don't know if I'd answer your first question about the 40 basis points of increase in occupancy, but as far as have they contributed to the Q3, I'd say most of that leasing, um, the new leasing has not contributed to the Q3 results. We'll see that going forward. But obviously the temporary leasing has, because in those cases the tenants are in occupying and paying rent. Did that answer your questions, Matt? Yeah, that's good color there, Darren. And when we think about kind of the next few quarters and into 2021, do you have any major lease renewals that you're looking at, or how should we think about that uh, side of the equation? Sure. Well, I mean, just to put it in, in quantum, you know, in 2020, we had 104 tenants expiring, totaling about 330,000 square feet. So that's about 10%, 10.5% of our portfolio. In 2021, we have 108 tenants expiring at 289,000 square feet. So the numbers are virtually identical. But if you look at the top 25 by square foot lease expirations in 2021, we've completed renewals on the top three already. We know one of the tenants is leaving and we're active in the others. So we're seeing activity most of the 2021, we'd have done almost by now if it weren't for COVID. You know, we like to be ahead of the game on our renewals, but obviously many of our tenants were hesitant to make decisions. So when you look at the largest tenant expiring in 2021 is 26,000 square feet. 
and therefore 10% of our total expiring. And if you look at the top 25 tenants expiring in 2021, they account for 184,000 square feet. Um, but remember, for everyone on the call, the typical tenant in the Melkar Reef is 5,000 square feet or under. And I feel pretty good about that right now in the current environment that we've got a bunch of smaller tenants that are riding the wave, able to move forward, and don't necessarily want to work from home. So I guess when we take, that's great, Darren, and maybe just to confirm my understanding, like if we take a step back at a very high level, it sounds like the retention rate should be more or less within Melkor's normal range of, say, 70 to 80 percent. Correct. Excellent. And maybe just turning to your rent collections, that seems to be trending positively. Is there any sign that that trend wouldn't continue as we move forward into Q4 in 2021, as you start to get back to more traditional collection patterns? No, no. We see, and what's interesting is I mentioned the 79 tenants that qualified for SECRA. Remember, we have over 600 tenants. So we had a number of tenants that didn't quite meet the qualification for SECRA and that are still working forward. Um, I guess the one thing just to keep in mind, which is in the MDNA, somewhere I'm sure, is of the $1.3 million in bad debt provision we put in place, 700000 of that is for one large retailer who is currently at war, I believe, with all landlords across Canada. So I will not mention their name, but you know who they are. So we are currently um, in some heated actions and discussions in our Lethbridge location with them. So if you take that out of the equation and then you look at what's left on our provisions and on our rent collections, you know, our back up to, you know, we're 93% in Q2 2020, it feels like we're almost back to normal. I'm scared to say that, Matt, but it just feels like, notwithstanding all the masks and the craziness around and the sickness, that from a rent collection perspective, we're almost back to normal for now. Good to hear. And I guess when we roll it all up and think about the run rate NOI on a cash basis, would it be fair to say that's in around $11.2 million excluding the secret charges in Q3? And if that's the case, you know, given the stability, is that going to be a look for at least the near term, barring anything out of left field? Yes, correct. Again, but the key point on your comment is barring anything on the left field, barring another shutdown, barring all types of things, um, we do. And, and yeah, and you raise a good comment. I mean, Q3 looks really lumpy because we did all our catch-up from April till September of the deferrals and the, and the secret collections and the rest of it. And, you know, my, my compliments go out to our accounting team who um, have worked tirelessly <laughs> trying to account for all this and our operations team who are the front lines people who are collecting the money and working through this. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that the normalcy will come back to our collections going forward. And last question for me before I turn it back. When we think about the next 12 to 18 months, can you give us a sense for your strategic priorities? Is it simply to manage through what is a very challenging operating period? Or do you have any other targets that you'd like to achieve, say, you know, maybe some asset dispositions uh, or capital recycling if you see opportunities elsewhere? I think you summarized it great, Matt, but like first and foremost, cash in the bank, tenants paying rent, servicing our tenants, keeping them safe. That hasn't changed and won't change until a vaccine comes out. So that's number one. Also trying to pivot to what our tenants need. You know, we talked about leasing earlier. 
There are some different needs of tenants right now, too, and we're working through whether it's additional storage space, additional temporary office space, whatever that might be, so that's important. Uh, beyond that, um, it's no secret that we are entrepreneurs. It's how we started this REIT. It's what Melcourt Developments has been doing for 97 years. We are always looking for opportunities, and whether that opportunity means disposing of something and recapitalizing it on newer opportunities, it's in our DNA, Matt. So while I can't tell you exactly what we're focusing on, I can tell you that it is a part of my role as a CEO of the REIT to make sure that we're not just focused on the day-to-day -day operation, but we're looking for opportunities that could be a creative and add value to the REIT. I appreciate the color, Darren. That's all for me. I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thanks for the questions, Matt. The next question comes from Spyro Klenizakis with Home Life Vision. Please go ahead. Good morning, Spyro. Good morning, Mr. Rayburn. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Thank you. I just had a question. Many of the other REITs have a list of the top five to ten tenants, either as a percent of rent or a percent of total area. And I've emailed mm -hmm. in before, and I haven't heard back. I'm wondering if there's a reason that you guys don't want to disclose that or just not part of the... Well, Spyro, it's actually on page 32 of our management discussion and analysis, but I'm happy to share that with you either now or, or individual later on. Um, okay. Would you like me to go through the list right now? Sure. Okay. So, and again, this is as of uh, 2019, the end of 2019. And so our largest tenant is the government of Alberta. They occupy a total of 109,000 square feet. The percent of total minimum rent is 3.4%. And the percent of gross usable area is 3.4%, interestingly enough. Number two, Alberta Health Services, which is also government of Alberta, but it's their medical arm, which is why we qualify it differently. They okay. Also 3.4% of total minimum rent. They're just uh, 88,000 square feet. And it's 2.8% of the GLA. Uh, our third largest tenant, Staples Canada, we have you know, three locations with them. They account for 3% of the total minimum rent. They're just under 97,000 square feet. And they account for 3% of the GLA. Our fourth largest tenants bureau is Shoppers Drug Mart. And they account for 2.7% of the total minimum rent. They're, uh, we have three locations with them. They're just uh, over 44,000 square feet and they account for 1.4% of our own gross municipal area. And then number five, number five is a company called NDT Global, which is an industrial tenant. They account for 2.4% of our minimum rent. They're also just over 44,000 square feet, which is about 1.4% of the GLA. And again, the additional, you know, the top 10 is listed in there too, so it's uh, it's there if you want to look at it. Okay, thank you. Um, with regards to the government tenants, do you guys find that they've been paying on time and they've renewed, or are they also in negotiation? No, absolutely paying on time. I can tell you it feels pretty good having some government tenants, and I can tell Alberta Health Services, like every health authority I think across the world right now, um, is paying on time, needing additional help, needing extra space. They're just trying to manage their infrastructure. Thank you. All right, thank you for the questions, Drew.
This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to the presenters for any closing remarks. Thank you again for calling in on this strange morning in the world. Um, we continue to focus on our tenants. We continue to focus on our health and safety. We wish health and happiness to all of you, and we will talk to you next quarter. Uh, have a good day and have a good weekend. Bye now. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.